Well, good morning, everyone. It's another episode of Roadmap to Heaven coming to you live from the Trans World Dome here at, well, not Trans World Dome anymore. It's really, I got to stop saying <laughs> Yeah, that. you really do. America it, Center. The America Center, the dome at America Center. Although it, we, it really is kind of Trans World, Patty, because so yeah. far we've met people from all over the United States. And the world. In Dusseldorf yesterday. Dussel- yesterday was Germany. Oh, it was great. <laughs> yeah, it's. And- and, and Ireland, and oh I my know. goodness. So, trans World. We're going to call it the Trans World Dome. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going with it. TWA is inter- not around to sue me anymore. So. <laughs> International Dome. Yeah. It's just been phenomenal to yeah. be here. Uh, again, we're broadcasting live from the from the Dome at the America Center, and it's another great day. We're starting off on day four of the Focus Conference. I know. Well, let's begin our day in prayer because it's been a long week, and we're, we're holding it together by the grace of God. Absolutely. So, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I am sad to say that last night, well, I'm not sad to say it. My first vocation had to be my first vocation. I had to go home and be with my kids. My wife was at work. And honestly, they haven't seen Dad much this week, so it was important for me to be there for bedtime. And I was not able to be here for the night of adoration. But I was. <laughs> so, Patty Schneider, let's set the stage for this, just in case you're just joining us for the first time this week. Patty and I are down here broadcasting Roadmap to Heaven from the convention hall at the uh, America's Convention Center in downtown St. Louis. There are 17,000 college students, young adults, young at heart adults uh, gathered for this whole conference on how to go out and evangelize, how to be a missionary. And it has just been powerful at every turn. The masses, the talks, the, the fellowship, everything about it has been amazing. And really, they said yesterday that you have to be ready because God was going to act in that time of adoration. Our Lord was going to be with us, and things were going to happen. So, Patty, tell us about last night. Well, yeah, I want to give our listeners a glimpse of what happened here last night. So, first of all, for those of you that are in the Archdiocese, last night was the night that the Archbishop opened up for people to just come down. Any and all ages, families were here, so many people from St. Louis, and coming up to Covenant Network's booth beforehand, which was phenomenal. We were just seeing everybody, and... And, and again, I want to just, just describe what we've been doing here, engaging people at the Covenant Network booth. We have the catequiz game, the Catholic trivia game. The wheel is here spinning. People pick a category. They get a question. We've got buzzers. And, and the, the excitement of just coming over here to, the, to our booth has been phenomenal. So we've been really engaging tons of people. But last night was very cool because many of our listeners were down here. So they all came over and we got to see them. Well, then it was time to go into the Dome. And when you go into the dome, at first they've just got praise and worship going on, and everybody's got their flags, their collegiate flags, and it's just like a massive party, a huge party. And and the crowd is just getting, you know, all wound up and excited. People are, are swing dancing in the aisles. It's fantastic. Then we had two keynote speakers last night. We had Sister um, Miriam James, phenomenal. And then we also had last night um, Father Joshua Johnson, which was fantastic. And then there was adoration, which this is what's amazing. If you've ever want to hear an entire crowd that's all loud and then in 
instantly when the Blessed Sacrament's brought in. Boom, instant silence. Everyone to their knees, drops to their knees. I've never witnessed anything like it in my life. 17,000 people, instant silence, reverence, beautiful. Uh, it was just incredible. And then the last, uh, the, the cherry on top was witnessing 500 priests um, be available for confessions. And there were thousands of people that went to confession last night. So just an incredible evening, beautiful. Um, my heart was just so moved by, by just trying to take it all in, which I couldn't. I couldn't even take it all in. Um, but it was just a glorious night last night. Praise God. Yeah. And to be here you, for it was phenomenal. You know, I think the three things I've said more than anything this week are, amen. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> And I know you. you know, it's like a big old family reunion <laughs> here is. at the Sea Conference. Well, Patty, thank you for that recap from last night. Here to uh, give us a, a recap of how the entire week has been going. We are so happy to be joined uh, in person. Uh, they've been with us by Zoom before, but in person by Steve Priest and Aaron Falbo, the conference MCs for Seek 23. Uh, we met back in October at Seek First here in St. Louis. Then we talked on the Internet, and I am so happy to be able to say, Welcome to our booth here at Seek. It's so good to see both of you this Thank morning. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank good you for morning. Having it's us. so great to have you. We've been see I've been seeing you on the stage, you know, from <laughs> way far away in the dome. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. Thank you so much. We Super hosts. I yeah, mean, they yeah. picked the right two people for sure. It's Thank been great. You. That's it's kind fun. of you. So I, I guess the big question on everybody's mind is, what's God been doing? This week, I mean, you're up on stage looking out, and, and you're you're seeing firsthand what our Lord is doing. Yeah. yeah, you know, I was just telling someone last night that I feel like I've got the best seat in the house. Mm. That each day I get to see the transformation happening moment by moment, mm -hmm. and we get to see the faces of the students as they smile mm -hmm. and as they think and as they cry and as they ponder, and um, f to be a part of that is just mind-blowing mm -hmm. to be able to watch that and and last night as we were preparing for adoration as you just walked us through patty it's that was kind of this moment of truth where they knew what was about to happen we knew what was about to happen and and to see their their eyes get big and and you you could just tell that they were they were in the moment yeah and Definitely. it was really incredible to see that and mm -hmm. as you mentioned that night was incredible and and souls were changed forever last night and so i'm i'm actually really excited to be there again tonight yeah. to see what the difference is tonight after that yeah. big night of adoration yeah. confession it's so fun to journey with the students from even afar, but even up close. I mean, it's so funny how Steve and I on stage really feel um, able to connect with people in the audience, you know, regardless of even if we're far away from them. Oh, my gosh. And, and you do a great <laughs> job of it. Like it I said, so I'm sitting fun. up in the nosebleeds, and yeah. I'm totally with you guys. I'm yeah. totally connected. Yes, totally. Yeah. And it, I think it's um, it's really been obvious for me uh, from my pers perspective and um it's been obvious that they have become more comfortable throughout yes. the conference, which always leads to this more, this deeper openness, a deeper vulnerability. Sure, with us, yeah, but I mean, more so with the Lord, and um, and and that culminates at the adoration night, and then it continues tonight and even into tomorrow morning. So it's this kind of beautiful apex that happened last night, and but it doesn't end there. Like it's almost as if the journey begins, um, and and now we get to really continue to cultivate that relationship as as we dive further today into topics of the 
the church. We're going to talk about the book of Acts today. We're going to even go further deeper uh, tomorrow in, in the mission, the missionary call to missionary discipleship for everyone, not just a college student. I mean, anyone, where, wherever you are in your life. I've really loved how we've, you know, foc- focusing first on Jesus, just who is Jesus. And then yeah. the last night, the cross and our brokenness, of course. And like yep. you said, now we're going to get into the missionary discipleship. I yeah. can't wait. I yeah. can't wait. Each yeah. day, as yeah. you said, we're building and building. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, but you got to go through the cross first, yeah. which was so important last night. Um, but what I love is how you have set the stage. Um, just so our listeners know, so you two come out mm-hmm. and and you, you just have a way of getting the crowd excited and then getting us ready for the next thing. Um, you know, there was this whole wave thing with the phones, yeah. with the lights, and yeah. that was very, very cool. That was fun. Yeah. And, and, you know, here I am fumbling with my phone and getting out my light and wanting to be a part of the wave. You know, this 57-year-old woman with all of these college kids. I'm like, this is so cool. It's okay. My mom did it, too. It was great. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and it was a race between, you know, yeah. the, I, again, the listeners, you just kind of yeah. had to be there. Take our word for it. Yeah. Please um, keep your hands and arms inside the right all times. <laughs> we're we're going to be going up and down. So one minute you are able to do that with 17,000 people, which I was mm-hmm. amazed. Mm-hmm. And then the next minute, completely prepare us for the mm-hmm. speakers mm-hmm. and then completely prepare us for adoration. So you have mm-hmm. a very important job and you keep things going. Mm-hmm. I've emceed many events and mm-hmm. you have to be the timekeeper as well, in a mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. So you're doing all of those things all at once. Yeah. Um, I came away with last night just saying, wow. Yeah. What Focus does, they do very well, and they've got the right people for it. Thank you. So one of the things I want to ask about, because this is a lot of moving pieces here at the Focus Conference, and it, you know, I think part of what makes it great is it's not just the, the main thing, which is let's gather for prayer, let's gather for mass, let's gather for adoration, let's gather for these talks, but then in between, go out and, and just come back later when we're ready for the next talk or, or the next sacrament. Mm. It's then you move from the dome into this part of the convention hall, Mission mm-hmm. Way, where there's, you know, we've been talking about exhibitors and visiting with them over the past few days, but you also have games of uh, beanbags or, or cornhole, <laughs> depending on where you're from, what you call it. You've got picnic tables, you've got giant Jenga, you've got all this stuff. I think there's a giant giant Connect Four game I see over there. How important are those pieces to building up the kingdom? Because that, that's something as as we're first time at Seek with the booth, we've been saying well, we want to do this all for the glory of God. Yeah. But maybe for the glory of God, our role is to hand out candy and spin a wheel and do a little <laughs> trivia game, um, so everybody's having fun. Yeah. I- We get an opportunity to see the kingdom here, as you said, Adam. And this is, in Mission Way, one of the greater opportunities to see the church at large, Mm -hmm. right? And so we see big banners around here that says education and pro-life and service and work service. I mean, there are so many different organizations here that just scratch the surface to the greater works of the church going on right now. And it is mind-blowing because... uh, we see religious orders we've never seen before, and right. there are hundreds, mm-hmm. if not thousands, of religious orders yeah. just walking around on the way you here. You see sisters and priests morning, and religious. That's so fun. Yeah, I was, think we said hi, sisters, like five times on the way over here. Easily <laughs> five times. Um, and so, again, there are so many organizations, so many religious orders, so many different schools that are moving the momentum of the energy of the youth towards Christ, mm-hmm. towards his great commission to reach more souls yeah. for yeah. him. Yeah. And I mean, it's beautiful because you were talking, Adam, about um, just like fun activities happening around here and the energy is so high. People are really jubilant. I mean, and, and 
I think the gospel, it's really when the gospel becomes incarnate, I mean, we, we get to be invited into a deeper experience of incarnational evangelization, which is, I don't just sit and intake things at mass and listen to a wonderful homily, which is a wonderful starting point, right? Um, but there's so much more, like there's an invitation to deeper friendship and that's where the incarnational piece really takes off. And I think places like Mission Way and really throughout the whole conference, I mean, we have impact sessions every afternoon where we're still going into further talks. They're encouraged to enter into deeper discussion of real things, of hard things, of suffering, of truths of the church, of, of life things. And, um, and, and then they're invited to play beanbags or whatever it is. Yeah. And I mean, in Mission Way and, um, and students on the college campus, they need that. Uh, it's the way to establish a deep, authentic friendship, and it leads to a deeper divine intimacy with God. And you're doing that on the college campus. You're doing it in the parish. You're doing it in your workplaces. It's how you, it really leads to a natural form of evangelization. And um, and Seek just provides this beautiful um, globe of opportunity for people to enter into that. That's one of the things in the gospel I often wonder about. Because, I mean, of course, the gospel writers put all of the very important, great, good stuff in there, but mm-hmm. you, you can't put everything in. And I often wonder, okay, so, you know, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and then the 5,000 at some point disperse, and right. it's just our Lord and the 12. Well, what did they do? You know, yeah. what, were, what were they doing <laughs> in, in between the sermons and the miracles oh, yeah. and traveling from right. town to town? Well, they, they, they were they having conversations meals so and meals yeah. and having fun and laughing. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you sit, you hear the words, Jesus sat down with his disciples and ate breakfast. I mean, right. like they are gathering together to go into deep conversation frequently. Yeah. And that's just not a one-time thing. It's like Jesus preaches, and then he comes off to the side, and he spends deeper time with people. So it continues. John twenty-one twelve. Come have breakfast. Yeah, well, and, <laughs> one of my favorite verses. And let me I just say, just watching lunch yesterday. So seventeen thousand kids are all sitting down in groups, and yeah. they just sit and yeah. just start eating their lunch, right? And it was, it was just like seeing this beautiful, beautiful glimpse of heaven and the wider church. Yeah. I came away with um, having been here since Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're on Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. What day is it? Um, <laughs> I have to remind myself that each day. I know. Yeah. But here's what I can't, I keep coming away with of how important it is to invest in our young people and to see the future of the church. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things, these apostolates that are here mm-hmm. in Mission Way, in this big hall, how important it is to for all of us to see, as you said, the greater church, but that young people can then really dive in and become a part of all of this. Yep. Yeah. And that's... It's just so important. I'm just, I'm, I just keep saying, wow, wow, yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, I, I think the final question before we run out of time here is, you know, today again, Acts is going to be the focus, and, and that's the mission. That's going to be going out. Yeah. Um, what are some things that attendees can do, and even our listeners could do, you know, talking about all of these pieces? Obviously, go to Mass. Obviously, attend to your daily prayers and, and, and have community. But how can we keep this mission alive and this fire burning in our hearts because i also think of that passage on the road to emmaus we're not our hearts burning when he opened the scriptures Mm -hmm. to us uh but it kind of implies that before that our hearts may not have been burning and how do we keep this fire going Mm -hmm. yeah that's a great question adam and um, as you both were already saying this week is a journey and it's been very intentional that we've had this process to introduce college students parishioners young adults to the Lord Jesus and what he has planned for us through this journey of five days, but it's just a starting line, right? right? We are being launched on Friday morning to go back out into the world, to go back out into the workplaces and our homes and our parishes. And for many of them, their college universities. 
Now, what can we do? My goodness, first and foremost, let's encounter Jesus each mm. and every day in prayer and, and spend some time with him. And it is so good to pray the rosary and to go to daily mass and to do devotionals. Those are good. What I mean by prayer is is non-distracted, intimate time with Jesus, yeah. where it's just you two. And you can say, Lord, this is what's on my heart today. This is what's on my mind. This is what makes me sad today or angry today. And then to just let him respond mm -hmm. and get time with him. And then based on that intimate time to launch you into your day and then to your week, into your month, and into your year, doing the next best thing yeah. each day yeah. and to continue to follow him and, and certainly to pursue him and the sacraments and then to, to reach other souls mm -hmm. with him and with his truth as well. Yeah, we even talked last night. Um, I'll add a little bit to that, but that was great. I think we talked last night about the cross. That was a big mm, uh, yeah. topic last night. And um, I think when we talk about the cross, I mean, life can get a little messy when we talk, yeah. right? Like the crosses people are carrying Sister are, said, are life crazy. Is hard They're sometimes. heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we're actually I, talking about that tonight. Yeah, we're talking mm -hmm. more about it tonight, going deeper. So I think the more that we are able to have that divine intimacy with God, the deeper interior transformation we're open to experiencing, the more Jesus can challenge us in our life. Life, he's transforming us mm -hmm. and we and it will set the things we are doing the conversations we're having that person we're taking out to lunch or coffee and sharing Christ with sharing pieces of the church to someone who's really hurt really wounded like our interior transformation changes those situations mm -hmm. in a very actual way yes. and so the the deeper we can just be honest with ourselves first like it starts with us mm -hmm. and uh, Jesus what inside my life what inside my heart needs to be challenged right now mm -hmm. that's a scary yeah. question to ask so just facing those human realities is a really important piece of moving along in missionary discipleship in our life. Well, praise God for you. Praise God for what's <laughs> happening here yes. in this. Uh, you know, I keep saying 23 years ago, but it was 24 years ago because we're now in 2023. And it was, <laughs> and I, can, I can do math finally this week. 1999, St. John Paul II was here. Um, Steve, Aaron, it has been a joy to sit down with you again. I also want to say, I hope it's not the last time because, you know, mm. we're, we're the show me state here, and I hope we've shown you it'd be great to have Seek come back oh, to St. Louis well, awesome. in the future. There's a big announcement tonight, and because it's happening tonight and we're talking to local St. Louis, I think it's probably okay to let everyone know we will be back here in St. Louis next year for Seek. Oh, wow. Oh, and awesome. so it'll be the same dates, January 2nd through the 6th, uh, right here here at the dome All right. so make your plans now put it in your calendar and gather your communities gather your parishes and your families we had a lot of local st yeah. louis people join us last night for and just the from talks the and surrounding areas, and yeah. around yeah. the areas yes join us for the whole thing next time yeah, yeah. You, you know what word is going well we've been trying of course on covenant network to just mm -hmm. spread the word about do you yeah. realize something really big is going on right now here yes. in our archdiocese yeah. <laughs> we will continue to it's do on that fire. it is on fire well, we're coming back and so awesome. if you missed it this year catch us next year. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. We owe you a check of the weather, the saint of the day. And uh, when we come back, Michael Vento from the Catholic Humanism Institute is going to be here with us to talk about the lasting impact of Pope Benedict XVI as we remember him as he was laid to rest early this morning, our time. Uh, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Today is the feast day of St. John Newman. Born in 1811, in what is now Czechoslovakia, his father Philip and mother Agnes had six children and John was their third. He had a rigorous education and did very well, but also had a special gift for languages. He was fluent in both German and Czech. 
John felt called to serve the Lord and entered the seminary at Budweiss, but there were too many priests there, which pushed back his ordination. So he decided to learn English with the idea of going to the United States to serve the newly arriving immigrants. In 1836, with very little money and without telling his parents, John left for the United States, arriving at Staten Island with one dollar. He was 25 years old. There, he did missionary work for a few years before joining the Redemptorists and becoming their first member to profess vows in the United States. His first parish covered an area from Lake Huron all the way to the Pennsylvania border. He would travel by foot, horseback, and wagon to serve as parishioners, sometimes saying Mass in their homes when there was no church. In 1852, he was named Bishop of Philadelphia, where he encountered a severe anti-Catholic movement that resented the arrival of immigrants from Germany, Ireland, and across Europe who had come to work in the new industrial center. John Newman worked tirelessly to unify that community and educate the children of these new arrivals, growing the number of schools from one, which he found when he arrived, to more than 200, and in the process creating the first diocesan school system in the country. He died on this day in 1860 at the age of just 48. St. John Newman, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Well, we are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven coming to you live from downtown St. Louis, Missouri at the America Center and uh, a beautiful convention center and a beautiful week here at Seek 23. I'm Adam Wright, joined by Patty Schneier. It is such an honor to be with you. And, uh, you know, Patty, so many great things are happening here. I almost uh, forgot, and luckily... Luckily, I was reminded by EWTN Radio as I was coming in this morning that this morning, while I was uh, tossing and turning, the late Holy Father, Pope Benedict XVI, uh, was laid to rest in a beautiful funeral mass in St. Peter's Square, uh, led by Pope Francis, and then laid to rest in the tombs in the Vatican Grotto. And I often tell people that growing up in the JP2 generation, St. John Paul II was the, the joy and, and, and the excitement of his visit was right when I was getting into high school youth group. And the joy that kept me in the church at a time when a lot of my friends were leaving. But it was Pope Benedict XVI who really opened my eyes to the beauty of the teaching of the church, mm-hmm. especially the teaching of John Paul II. And, uh, you know, because I often say when I read Ratzinger or when I read Benedict, I need two things, a cup of coffee in a dictionary. Um, and so our next guest here, Michael Vento from the Catholic Humanism Institute, is uh, going to talk about Pope Benedict with us. Michael, thanks for getting up early and making the trek over here to Mission Way. It is a total pleasure to be with you, Adam and Patty. It's such a pleasure to be yeah. with you this morning. Now, before we dive into Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, because that is a well that will not run dry, um, you know, I, I remember walking down Mission Way and I saw your booth and I saw humanism. I was like, hold on a second. You know, my, <laughs> sure. my, my, my uh, alarm bells started going off here and then I had a love chat with your wife about what humanism really is. So tell us a little bit about the Catholic Humanism Institute. Yes, yes. Well, we're devoted to the teachings of St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI on God and the human person, what it means to be a human person. We're dealing with 
a crisis of identity. Totally. <laughs> and what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean yes. to be a woman? What does it mean to be a human being? And Pope St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI have given us a treasure trove, um, vast riches from which to learn and draw. And we're going to be, we're receiving and unpacking what they've given us. Uh, th the theology of the body is a huge part of that for sure. Um, but there's also, you know, great encyclicals from John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI. Um, they've both spoken to, um, in their writings, their vast writings, their books and, and addresses and homilies, uh, they've spoken to what it means to be human, and that's what we're devoted to. So you've taken the word humanism that the world has kind of twisted, and now you're trying to give the proper understanding of that word. That's right. That's exactly right. This is, this is really our term. Our, we're, yeah. This is a Catholic yeah, term. Yeah, it's been counterfeited. <laughs> it, it has, and it's a term that that both of these men use in their and uh, and what they've said and what they've yeah. given to us. So we're we're just we're simply helping. Uh, we're, we're delving into what that means for us. Yeah, and like we said, we could probably easily do a four-hour special off the cuff of the, the teachings of Cardinal Ratzinger, later Pope Benedict XVI. Unfortunately, time does not allow for that. Maybe next week I'm going to spend some time diving in. But let, let's talk about the lasting legacy because uh, Pope Benedict XVI, one of the quickest elections in uh, modern times of a pope, I think it was three ballots or four ballots, but it was the second day, mm. um, almost immediately elected pope. And Cardinal Dolan, uh, Cardinal Timothy Dolan was saying yesterday, I believe, on EWTN that there was a sense in the College of Cardinals, and he wasn't even a cardinal yet, uh, that they needed someone to help them interpret St. John Paul II. Because, I mean, how do you unpack that? What do you think one of the lasting legacies of Pope Benedict XVI will be on the church? Um, well, he has he's given us a, a lot of writings. Uh, but, you know, he probably gave us one of the greatest homilies in the history of the church uh, before he was elected pope, uh, bishop of Rome. Um, and uh, this is where he, uh, one of the places where he mentions humanism. Uh, the Son of God is uh, the measure of true humanism. Um, and he, this is where I also talked about the dictatorship of relativism. Um, but uh, the lasting legacy for me, one of them, is that we are to encounter Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. the person of Jesus Christ. This seems elementary, but it's not um, in the church. We need to experience Jesus every single day, um, encounter him through the sacred liturgy, through, through personal prayer, um, and, and through the Holy Scripture, through reading of sacred scripture. And he was so, everything he wrote was so intensely scriptural um, and intensely rich and soaked in scripture. So that's, that's a very important part of Pope Benedict's writings yeah. for sure. I, I don't know about you, Patty, but I can... Uh I can't count anymore how many times I've taken one of the volumes of Jesus of Nazareth with me to the Adoration Chapel, and just I'm going to spend some time with our Lord, and here to help me know our Lord is Pope Benedict. Well, and also just the word encounter, like, as you just said, think about we're, we're here here at the Seek, at the Focus Conference, and it's all about encountering Jesus. So that has become, to become a missionary disciple, you have to encounter Jesus. Know, not just know Jesus, but love Jesus, respond to Jesus, experience Jesus, um, and have, of course, that relationship with Jesus. So we're we're all now trying to do this in the church as yeah. best we can. Right. That's right. 
It's exactly right. And um, a couple of other things that he is certainly is, is leads comes from the first thing that we talked about is the liturgy. I mean, yes. he is emphasizing the beauty of the sacred liturgy to us that we're attracted to beauty and uh, the liturgy should be marked by beauty. Um, that is, it's very important. And he's emphasizing postmodern themes here. This is one of the really big things that he's, he's trying to, trying to address. Um, so uh, the liturgy is is also very very important yeah uh you have a sign at your booth and it's not the first that i've seen it's not the first i've seen this out online or heard in interviews uh possible future doctor of the church when we talk about pope benedict and that's i mean there are what four or five there, there there's only a handful of saints who are doctors of the church uh, why is that? Why are people saying that Pope Benedict could easily be a doctor of the church? So he he has given us so many writings, not a systematic theology like St. Thomas, but so many writings where he's covered so many topics um, in, in these varied works. And um, he is addressing, again, these postmodern themes, the the movements of the human heart, um, faith, reason, and the heart and love, um, the individuality of each person, um, this quest for transcendence. These are all things that we as, um, as in the postmodern world are longing for and seeking. And Pope Benedict is tapping into that and writing, uh, in his, in his, all of his varied writings, he is making that appeal and calling us to communion with Jesus Christ. Mm. That's, that's the main, main theme. I think of Pope Benedict calling us to communion with the person of Jesus Christ. Wow. I mean, that that's what he was for me. I mean, the, the, the first book I read, The Spirit of the Liturgy by Cardinal oh, Ratzinger, yeah. and then from there I had to grab something else, and then eventually that led to, if you've never seen it, Raymond Arroyo has a video on YouTube. I, it's through EWTN. It's the only English interview that Cardinal Ratzinger, and then later Pope Benedict, ever gave and it's an hour long and and to hear his insights in english, in english only yeah. interview you just in said only interview, only interview in, gave in english in english, english. <laughs> in english. Um, i'm like he gave and, a lot of and, interviews and it's an hour long and i actually want to go to it really quick if i may because there was one thing that i think is just so fitting for where we're at right now in the world and and in some ways in the church but as we talk about the seat conference also the great hope and he said at the conclusion of that interview I see the great danger is that we would be only a social association and not founded in the faith of the Lord. For the first moment, it seems important that only what we are doing and the faith disappears, or in the faith appears not so important. But if faith disappears, all the other things are discomposed as we have seen. So I think there is a danger at this time with all these activities and external visions is to underestimate the importance of faith and to lose the faith, even a church where the faith would not be so essential. So the great hope is that the Lord is we'll see a new presence of the Lord. We can see that the sacramental presence of the Lord in the Eucharist is an essential gift for us and also the possibility to love others and to work for the others. I think the new presence of the Eucharistic Christ and the new love for Christ and Christ present in the Eucharist is the most encouraging element of our time. Totally. Amen. Amen. And, and didn't that come to life last, last night, night, yesterday at Mass, <laughs> yes. the, the day Eucharist, before the, the day before that? Yes, yes. Well, Michael, I want to thank you for being with us this morning. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven, but before we do, where can our listeners go to find out more information about the Catholic Humanism Institute? Y yes. 
you can go to our website, catholichumanism.org, uh, and, and learn about how we're uh, working with young adults with Theology of the Body and, um, and, and the writings of St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI and really receiving those and unpacking those. Wonderful. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. We'll be back after this break. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. We are continuing our conversations at the Focus Seat Conference, and what a joyful day it is. Today we have the opportunity to sit down kind of tucked away out of the, out on the corner somewhere in a quiet place, which has been very rare this week with Damon Owens. Damon is an international speaker and evangelist, the executive director of Joyful Ever After, uh, the first executive director of the Theology of the Body Institute, chairman of the 2016 International Theology of the Body Congress. And with all of that in mind, it is no shock or surprise to me that you would know Patty Schneier, who's here with us <laughs> this week. So Damon, it's so good to meet you and be with you today. Oh, what a joy. And you're right. It's uh, this event lends itself to big crowds, lots of noise and cheering and chant. So to find a quiet corner and talk is really a gift. And it also lends itself to great reunions. So David and I go way back and our, our connection with Theology of the Body and the Institute goes way back and in ministry. So this is a joy. It's kind of a mini reunion. So I'm smiling. I am just all ears to be a part of this, truly. Both. Oh, wow. This is going to be fun. So Damon, tell us a little bit about Joyful Ever After. I know Patty knows about it, but I don't, and I I don't know that our listeners do. No, sure. So Joyful Ever After is uh, the latest endeavor the Lord's given uh, me and my wife, Melanie. And we literally launched January of 2020. So if your mind is working, this was predating the, the shut-in by about 30 days. But it um, really is the fruit of uh, almost 30 years of, of marriage ministry. And Melanie and I started back in 1993, helping with marriage preparation and helping couples prepare for marriage. And really decades working with other programs and traveling and speaking. And then, of course, with the Theology of the Body and Theology of the Body Institute. All the stuff over these last few decades has really lended uh, a vision of, what's, of what we believe is needed in the marriage enrichment space, if you will. We call it a post Cana, right? So Joyful Ever After is, um, as our tagline says, helping couples get the marriage they want from the marriage that they have. Wow. That, that is beautiful. As someone, I'm, I'm pretty open about this with our listeners, that uh, Beth and I have been married 13, going on 14 years, and, you know, we thought we were well-formed. We found out later on that we weren't, and we ended up in marriage counseling, and luckily we had a great Catholic counselor that pretty much did the same thing, said, what, what's the marriage you want? What's the marriage God wants you to have, and how do we get from where you're at to where you're going? So what a blessing this is. Truly, and I love how the tagline says, the, get the marriage you want with the marriage that you have. You have to start with what you have, and we all have brokenness in our marriage somewhere. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's the end point at all. There's so much hope. I just want listeners to know that if you're struggling in your marriage, there are some absolutely excellent Catholic resource out there, and Joyfully Ever After is one of them. So, Damon, tell us a little bit more about what you do in your ministry. I'm so glad you used that word. I'm not shocked. Hope is the word. Hope, right? yes. And, you know, 
the tagline is, is more than that because it does exactly what you said. It acknowledges and affirms the story that we come to. We come with a story, whether it's individually, growing up in family of origin, in past relationships, expectations, hopes, dreams about what marriage would be. And then we come together and make this impossible pledge at the altar. We make this impossible pledge. And no matter how much formation you know, that we think we have or we actually have, the formation is just that. It's not the actual experience of marriage. So there's a real distinction and a peace that should come from honoring the marriage you have based on who you are, but also honoring the vision of the marriage you want as a seed, that it's a glimpse of what God has given with a greater marriage that he wants for you. So we use those strategically, but it really is acknowledging the present, the moment, the history, but also the future. Now, I love this, but my, my burning question now is we're at a conference, 17,000 people, <laughs> majority of which are college students who aren't married yet. So... Hopefully, if they're called to marriage one day, they're, they're going to be benefiting from Joyful Ever After, amazingly. But what are you talking about here at Focus at the SEEK conference this week? Yeah, it may not be obvious, but it's actually the, the most tender place to lay these, these questions, uh, this expectation, this vision about marriage. And I probably won't speak very much about marriage uh, specifically here, but I'm speaking about the underlying uh, heart, the ethos, if you will, of the theology of the body. And there's some fundamental things that really become uh, stepping stones to build your marriage on, but also can become stumbling blocks if you don't have them correct. With the dignity and the affirming what it means to be made male and female in the image and likeness of God. Things that you can ponder and work on that you don't have the immediacy of a wedding, the immediacy of a spouse to go home and try this, a crisis in your marriage. There are things that we bring into our marriage that whether it's part of the discernment process for vocations in general, this is the human formation that's necessary for either vocation, marriage or celibacy for the sake of the kingdom. So there's so much. There's there's so much to cover with the peace to be able to do that. And I just want to uh, let our listeners know Damon is a phenomenal speaker. Uh, so, no, I'm just saying this from having heard him speak and, and working with him on a number of events. And he really has a way and a gift. I've seen him speak with his wife, Melanie, together as a team. They're a dynamic duo. But individually as well, Damon is spectacular. And um, so if you ever want to bring him to your parish or with the diocese or any event, I mean, you are still on the road speaking as well. Thank goodness the COVID is over. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, the calendar is filled and I get to do what what I love to do and teach. That's beautiful. Uh, I also have a question. Do you have books? Do you have a, is it a workbook that you work with? Is it counseling? What is the format for Joyful Ever After? So full transparency, we had to shift, as many did, because of COVID and, you know, forming in 2020. The vision is what we're just now rolling out now, and that is very individual, very personal contact, couple to couple, or uh, individual wife, individual husband, but it's working out the marriage you have to the marriage you want, but at a very personal level. And people, I may shock some people who do know about our ministry, Joyful Ever After, in the last two years, because we sponsored the Catholic Marriage Summit first, first out of the gate during COVID, June 2020, and had some 40, so far 41,000 couples uh, that have gone through that. And then we released what we call Epic Intimacy, um, a 13-lesson program with experts in the area, emotional, physical, intellectual, and communicative, Epic Intimacy. So that's there. But the sort of the, the transparent truth is those things were sort of meant to be years four and five after we build Drivel Over After that we had to pull up based on the, the realities of, of not being together. So the heart of Joyful Ever After very much is this very personal uh, mentoring, if you will, small group, um, but helping couples to walk through this beautiful sacrament of marriage in the 
experience that they have as opposed to the 10,000 foot view program and principles, which as you said, so many good resources, so many available things to learn the principles. Now it's about getting down to the brass tacks about you and how you show up in your marriage mm. and how your husband shows up and how he has to stay on his paper, you stay on your paper, and the beautiful gift of marriage becomes in the way that we honor what we've promised to each other. Now, I, as you're saying all of this, I'm going back to my junior year of high school where my theology teacher said, let's define theology in a very simple way, faith-seeking understanding. Love and that. when we talk about theology of the body, there's a lot that we are still seeking to Amen. understand from St. John Paul II, Amen. and we're, we're still unpacking it. But I think everyone I've talked to that's really gone deep into theology of the body comes back with the same thing. I wish I would have known this sooner. And that's why I, I imagine it's so important to get this message out to these college students and these young adults that are gathered here who aren't married yet, but to say that the decisions you're making now, it's not just uh, the church says you can't do that or don't do this, but the understanding why and how it will impact your vocation later is huge, and everyone says, I wish I would have known that. Yeah, no, that was one of the great gifts of the years at the Theology Body Institute with week-long immersion courses, and they're still happening there with the great organization. But So when I hear that, and I've heard it for so long, it's, it's, there's a couple things going on. First, there are the teachings of the Theology of the Body. John Paul II's great work, 130-plus uh, short audiences, 1979 to 1984, and there's content there. There's there's ideas, there's, there's principles and abstracts that are beautiful there. Then there's sort of what does that mean? mean? You know, what, what, is, what are the major teachings within this? And the third part that really does the transformation you're talking about is the why should I care? And when you can make the connection with my search for my identity, my search for relationship that really is intimate and is affirming, and my mission, like my purpose for being. Identity, relationship, and mission are fundamental human searches. It's not just theology. The theological concept is that it is connected to Theo. It is connected to God, that God has given you an identity. He has put you in relationship with him first and then with others. Love the Lord God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And your mission, why do you exist? So the questions that every human person is asking, this is why Jesus is the answer. And yet the theology of the body gives us a lens to see what, is, what does that mean for me? And that's where the transformation, I wish I knew this earlier, is the, is the connection finally with all of my life experience of who I thought I was, who now I know who I am, and now who I want to be, and letting that be the preeminent and the, the, the fundamental point of how you live. One of the beautiful things about our opportunity to sit with you and with some of the other great speakers here at Focus is it helps our listeners, uh, and, and we're so glad you're listening right now, uh, who aren't able to be here with us, kind of enter into this conference. And when we think about the church, we, we have an obligation to pray for one another. Um, it's been 20 years since I went off to a college campus and faced these challenges, and I'm learning very quickly at this conference how old I am that I didn't <laughs> realize. Uh, but what's one specific thing that young adults are facing right now is as they live these challenges daily that our listeners can lift up in prayer in our daily prayers to support them yeah that's a great great question and i think I, I ask myself that before any of these particular talks i feel the same elderly sense that you do as well but you know now more than ever you know this 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 time of life is a time of really looking back uh of the, and saying can I be an independent self? How do I engage the world? What is my purpose for being here? What relationships matter? And for these particular Sikh uh, folks, the Catholic focus folks, is that they have already put God somewhere in the equation. So in some ways there's a self-selection about that there is a God, I'm not him, 
and that he knows me, loves me. But what does that actually mean for me? So I think the, the universal challenge of being a young adult now, 20 plus or minus, is what does that mean for me in my life? Coming to know truthfully, not just what other people say I am, not how I'm supposed to be in order to get accolade or to get affirmation, but what's the connection with my identity that says, yes, that is who I am. That, and then the, the aspiration. This is who I want to be. So I think the challenge that's particular for this culture is this this gen- generation, whichever number it is. I don't know what generation it is. Right? I, I've lost track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the generation is that there are so many competing philosophies for that answer, and there's so few that even recognize that there are philosophies. And so you have to this have whole the courage to live it. The courage to live it. <laughs> courage. And sometimes even Patty, the courage to think about it. True. It takes a lot of courage to say. It's not just about my decisions. It's not just about me doing good and not doing evil, being good enough, that there actually is a whole schema. There's a whole meaning to creation and that I have a particular place and a role in it and accepting that. So that to me is sort of the moving from sort of the, the, the bouncing here to there based on my decisions and how I ended up to the intentional living that's based in the truth. And it's so beautiful to witness this in, we're here, like like we've said, at the SEEK conference with 17,000 plus <laughs> young adults who are really on fire to make the commitment of, I wanna live this boldly. Well, Damon, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit down with us. Uh, if you want to know more, joyfuleverafter.org is the website to go to, to learn how, again, get the marriage you want out of the marriage you have, and what a beautiful proposition that is. Uh, Patty and I just want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you for having me. It's always a gift. Bless you guys. A Prayer to Redeem Lost Time by St. Teresa of Avila. O my God, source of all mercy, I acknowledge your sovereign power. While recalling the wasted years that are past, I believe that you, Lord, can in an instant turn this loss to gain. Miserable as I am, yet I firmly believe that you can do all things. Please restore to me the time lost, giving me your grace, both now and in the future, that I may appear before you in wedding garments. Amen. We normally think of the Perpetual Help devotions as a devotion we pray on Tuesdays, but this week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, we've been diving deep into this beautiful prayer, this tradition handed down to us from the church. Patty, let's uh, jump into the waters today. All right. Well, we've been just quoting bit by bit the devotions to our mother of perpetual help, taking them apart a little bit and pondering what that could mean in our everyday lives. So here's the quote for today from the mother of perpetual help devotions. Mary. We turn to you as our model in suffering and courage. You shared in your son's suffering and death. Now you share in his resurrection. We too share in the cross of Christ. And someday, like you, we will share fully in his resurrection. Help us be patient in our suffering and to trust in the loving care of our Father in heaven. May those suffering sickness in mind or body experience your son's healing power. Help us follow his example and through him, with him, and in him, commend ourselves to the care of our heavenly Father. End quote. When I read this part of the Mother of Perpetual Help Devotions, I think about very important words. Help us to be patient in our sufferings. 
The key word here is can we be patient in our sufferings? That's tough to do. But we will grow in this area if we grow in our trust. So a resolution for this might be that we can trust that God sees the bigger picture, that God is in control, and God knows what is best. So in doing this, we have to just let go of my way, my understanding, my control. And maybe we can just take on the attitude, believe it or not, of a three-year-old who does not stress over the future, but lives in the moment. So if you are in a stage of long suffering in your life, trust that joy will return. It may be different. It may not be what you had hoped for, but in the end, when offered for the salvation of souls, it will be worth it all. So I pray for anyone today who is suffering, and we want to unite our prayers with you and pray that you will be able to be patient in your suffering. And when the day comes when I have to suffer or any of us, the big things in life come, help us, Lord, to be patient in our suffering and to trust in the loving care of your will. A wonderful but very challenging prayer for us. Patty, thank you for sharing this nugget of the Perpetual Help devotion today. Well, Patty, I feel like we were just talking with one another. (laughs) I always feel that way with the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Uh, We want to give a shout-out to the uh, friars from EWTN, the Franciscan Missionaries of the Eternal Word, who we've been seeing around here. You know, we wouldn't be here doing Covenant Network if it weren't for Mother Angelica and the work of the Poor Clares of Perpetual Adoration and the Friars. And so Father John Paul is here and Father Patrick Russell is here. And uh, it's always, always good to see them. And it's hard to believe that our, our time together this morning is coming to a close. And I had that realization. Today is the last full day of Seek 23, and really quick, you know, what what seemed like, okay, we're at the beginning of the week, it's going to be a long week, let's pace ourselves, is just going to be over. Well, we still have today, tonight's going to be amazing as well, Um, just every single day at the conference here, we're starting to see the student, the college students filter in to go over for Mass at 8.30, so we got to pray and get over to the Dome. Well, let's let's give glory to God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world World without without end. end. Amen. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church. Pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you for tuning in to this live edition of Roadmap to Heaven on location at the Seek 23 conference for Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. And I'm Patty Schneier. Pray your rosary today.